This is Gray Man Media Content. You do you believe? I got one thing to say to you about tonight. I love your dad. Thank you, Mr. Hello? Goofy. <laughs> I'd just like to say. Welcome back to another episode of Wolf Takes a Bite Podcast. I am your host, John Wolf, with your co-host, Devin Gray. I'm also here. Let's take a deep dive into Skinwalkers. What? We're going to take a deep dive into Skinwalkers. I climbed into the hills. I, I would, I'm romantic. I would like Bigfoot to exist. One type is about three feet tall, very dark, not humanoid at all, yet lizard-looking. The creatures that I have seen mostly have been the, uh, the greys. To the search for truth, little grey men, little grey men from outer space who actually abduct humans. So, Devin, you brought up a very interesting thing last season that really got me thinking about this. And I believe that was the, um, what were they called again? Wendigos. The Wendigos. That's right. Wendigos. Not Wendy's, but Wendigos. That's right. Now I want Wendy's. <laughs> well, this is another Native American uh, interesting trope. Skinwalkers. Now, in the Navajo language, Oh, that scared the shit out of me. I, th- I saw Jericho walking up to me, and I thought it was a fucking skinwalker, man. It just tripped me out. Anyway. Uh, it's Naldalushi. In the Navajo language, ye Naldalushi. Translate, and I'm sorry for my white accent. Translate <laughs> to be, uh, by means of it, it goes on all fours. I hate that. I hate that. Now, while perhaps the most common variety seen in horror fiction by non-Navajo people. The Yida Nandalushi <laughs> is one of several varieties of skinwalkers in Navajo culture. Specifically, they are a type of <clears throat> legend of the skinwalkers. It is not well understood outside of Navajo culture, mostly due to the reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders. Now, traditional Navajo people are reluctant to reveal skinwalker lore to non-Navajos because it is, like, one of the most protected things in stories that they have passed down through word of mouth only for generations. Whoa. Neither do they discuss it at all among those who do they not trust. Whoa. But here's what happens. <laughs> what happens with when J.K. Rowling pulls this in <laughs> is we as Native people are now opened up to a barrage of questions about these beliefs and traditions. But these are not things that need to or should be discussed by outsiders at all. And I'm sorry if that seems unfair, but that's how our culture survives, says Ardening Keen. Navajo witches, including skinwalkers, represent the uh, antithesis of Navajo cultural values. While community healers and cultural workers are known as medicine men and women, or by other positive and nurturing terms in local indigenous language, the witches are seen as evil, performing twisted ceremonies and manipulating magic in a perversion of the good works medicine people traditionally perform. And in order to practice their good works, traditional healers learn about both good and evil magic. 
Most can handle the responsibility, but some people can become corrupt and choose to become witches. Now here's a little bit about the legend. Animals associated with witchcraft usually include tricksters such as the coyote, but however, it may include other creatures, usually those associated with death or bad omens. They might, they might also possess living animals or people and walk around in their bodies. Skinwalkers may be male or female. Now, again, remember that all the information that I have is going to be kind of almost repetitive eventually at some point because there's not much that white men know about this because <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's kept very closely guarded in, in, uh, in the tribes. Um, skinwalker stories told among Navajo children may be complete life, may be complete life and death struggles that end in either skinwalker or Navajo killing the other, or partial encounter stories that end in stalemates. Now, encounter stories may be composed as Navajo victory stories, with the skinwalkers approaching as a uh, Hogan, with a skinwalker approaching and being scared away. Non-native interpreters of skinwalkers' stories typically take the form of partial encounter stories on the road, where the protagonist is temporarily vulnerable, but then escapes from the skinwalker. In a way, not traditionally seen in Navajo stories, however. Sometimes Navajo children take uh, European folk stories and substitute skinwalkers for generic killers and the hook. Now, Devin... Have you looked up a picture of what a skinwalker looks like? I fucking knew this was coming. I fucking knew this was coming. Why don't you do that for me real quick? God damn it. My favorite part of the, every episode, I swear. Skinwalker image. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Which one are you looking at? Oh. The one, This one on the road? No, I hate it. <laughs> Why is it bent like that? So, um, because it's like a... Okay, so the head is turned completely backwards. I hate it. And it's walking... because it's it. it was human at some point. Um, so, what you're looking at is the bent is like where the hips would be. Like, it's like if you're walking backwards, like in the crab walk. Um, but this thing has contorted its entire body and face and everything like that to walk like that. Um, Kill it. <clears throat> here's one that you are going to hate. <laughs> Fuck that. Hate that. Um, the skinwalkers traditionally aren't. Oh, here's a colored dude. That black and white one you just looked at. Uh-huh. I just found the original photo in color. Mm. That means this was taken from somebody's dashboard, it looks like, of a vehicle. Oh, shit. Oh, there's a video. No. There's a video. I don't want to. I don't want to see it, John. <laughs> Let's watch it together, Devin. No. We're going to watch this together. Uh, no. Uh-huh. Look how it moves. I hate it. Oh, I hate God. It. <laughs> I hate it. There you have it. That was a nightmare. On <laughs> Skinwalker Street. Oh, here's one inside, one inside your house. It's about eight foot tall. That's creepy as fuck. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. <laughs> that's going to be me. Oh, oh, that's terrifying. That's that's very terrifying. So here's a, and so there's actually a lot of uh there's a couple movies about skinwalkers. They're like horror films. Pretty interesting shit. We should probably check some of that out. Now, in the Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. This witch is called a Yinatalushi by the Navajo, which translate as, with it, he goes on all fours. Is this just... <laughs> and I'm just repeating so everybody is aware of what we're talking about. <laughs> Now, for Navajo people, witchcraft is just another part of their spirituality and one of the ways that their ways of their lives. Such as witchcraft has long been a part of their culture and history and traditions. Witches exist alongside humans and are not considered supernaturals, as in other cultures where the word witches would be predominantly used. Mm. Now, Navajo believe that there are places where the powers of both good and evil are present. And that those powers can be harnessed for either. Medicine men utilize these powers to heal and aid members of their communities, while those who practice Navajo witchcraft seek to direct the spiritual forces to cause harm or misfortune to others. This type of witchcraft is known as the witchery way, which uses human corpses in various ways, such as tools from Mm. the bones and... uh, Concoctions that are used to cure, uh, cause harm and curse, or even kill intended victims. Mm. Just imagine, you know, writing with a finger bone pen. Nope. Hate it. Somebody's skeleton arm back scratcher. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the knowledge of these powers is passed down from the elders through generations. Uh, This is also um, a very Similar thing if you think about like voodoo practicing, very similar um, the way this witchery thought about and spoken about. It's it's kind of similar in practice in some ways. Now the Navajo are a part of a larger culture, er, larger cultured area that also includes the Pueblo Pueblo people, or the Apache, the Hopi, or the Ute. Other groups that also have their own version of skinwalkers. But each includes an, a malevolent witch capable of transforming themselves into an animal. Among these tribes, a number of stories and de- uh, descriptions have been told throughout the years about skinwalkers. Sometimes these witches evolved from their living their lives as respected healers and spiritual guides, but then later choose to use their powers for evil mm. or selfish gains. Though they can be either male or female, they are more often males. And they walk freely among the tribe during the day and secretly transform under the cover of night. Gross. I hate it. Thank you very much. I hate it. Just imagine somebody bending over backwards, bones cracking. I hate that. I fucking (laughs) hate that. Like, uh, what's that little crazy Japanese chick on the stairs? I don't fucking know. She's 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 like the chick from the ring, but she's in that Japanese movie. I don't fucking know what you're talking about. You don't remember? You never seen that horror movie? Well, oh, oh, the horror movie with the Japanese girl on the stairs. No, yeah, I don't everybody know that knows one. that one. <laughs> I don't know that she one. She walks backwards and cocks her head. It's the creepiest fucking thing ever. I don't know. Can't that remember one. the name of that movie. I hated it. 
In order to become a skinwalker, he or she must uh, in, be initiated by a secret society. Ooh, yeah, this is right up our alley. That requires the evilest of deeds. The killing of a close family member, most often a sibling. Get after, fucked. After this task has been completed, the individual then acquires their supernatural powers, which gives them the ability to shapeshift into animals. Why does that do that? Why? I wonder that? if this counts if you eat your sibling in the womb. Hello? <laughs> no, probably not, right? If that's the case, then you can uh, uh, get this power pretty early. Well, no, because that's not from a secret society. No, but it's killing killing your sibling. If you do that in the womb, then you could be born mm, a shapeshifter. If that's that. the secret to the magical power, then fuck. Just saying. Go on. Nothing. After this task has been completed, the individual then acquires their supernatural powers, which gives them the ability to shapeshift into animals. Now, most often, most often they are seen in the form of coyotes, wolves, foxes, cougars, dogs, and bears. Oh, my. But can take the shape of really any animal that they choose. Well, right. Those are animals that are common in like the uh, in the area, mm-hmm. Navajo inhabit. Mm-hmm. Well, free land, yes. Then they wear the skins of the animals they transform into. Hence the name Skinwalker. Now, sometimes they also wore animal skulls or antlers atop their heads. I've done the same thing, which brought them more power. They choose what animal they wanted to in turn they wanted to turn into. They choose what animal they wanted to turn into. I had a stroke. Depending on the abilities needed for a particular task, such as speed, strength, endurance, stealth, claws, teeth, etc. They may transform again if trying to escape from pursuers. That's interesting that uh, well I wanna go ahead and put this image in your mind. In a lot of tribal practice too, and not only pagan rites Celtic rites, and and especially more often in Native American tribes, uh, the person trying to call upon the power of a god or a spirit wearing wearing the skin or the bones or the parts of an animal, that's very common. I wouldn't know. I'm an uh, American uh, with European descent or from European descent. I don't know. Different religious practices do the same thing quite often. Well, because of this, the Navajo consider it taboo for its members to wear the pelt of any predatory animal. However, sheepskin, leather, and buckskin are acceptable, which is the most common skins worn in most tribes. Well, of the day, I would say. I mean, even now in still rights, special rights, I'm sure they do. Um, but a lot of times, most tribal members, like Apaches and everything like that, it's not as common. There's not as many of them left anyway that it really practice the older ways. Yeah, I just, I, I really wouldn't know. Now, changing skinwalkers. The skinwalkers are also able to take possession of the bodies of human victims. If a person locks eyes with them. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, Devin. Fuck you. <laughs> no, that was easy. After taking control, the witch can make them its victim and do it. And make them do and say things that they wouldn't do otherwise. Go ahead. Try. <laughs> Move my glasses up because that's probably inhibiting my power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Look into my iris. I am. Okay. You have pretty eyes. They're really small, but pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yep. 
We'll, we'll practice this more. <laughs> yeah, we'll no, just we stare won't. in each other's we're eyes. Not gonna. <laughs> we're later off the off the air. We're just gonna stare in each other's eyes for we about won't. an hour and a half. We won't. <laughs> yeah, we will. Once they were shape shifted, one way that uh, others could tell that they were not real animals is that their eyes are very different from those of an animal. Instead, their eyes are very human, and when lights are shined on them, they turn bright red. Alternatively. When they are in human form, the eyes look more like animals. Interesting. I've seen many cases of this. Um, what? There's a lot of cases of this where people take pictures and, you know, try to say that it's a lizard person in disguise or something like that, but their eyes are showing up red. Yeah, it's called red eye, dude. That happens from flash photography. Flash photography is correct. Now, what happens when you're doing it and you see it with your naked eye? I've never seen that. Okay. You've been lucky. <laughs> Get the fuck out! <laughs> now the evil society of witches gather in the dark caves and secluded places for several purposes: to initiate new members, plot their activities, and harm people from a distance with black magic, mm. and to perform dark ceremonial rites. <clears throat> now these ceremonies are similar to other tribal affairs, including dancing, feasts, rituals, sand paintings. But where they get corrupted is with the dark connotations. The evildoers. Well, I sound like Bush. <laughs> We're going to catch Katrina and them evildoers. <laughs> that sounded more like Bill. That was good enough. Are also said to engage in necrophilia with female corpses, commit cannibalism, incest, and grave robberies. During these gatherings, the skinwalkers shapeshift into their animal forms or go out about naked wearing only beaded jewelry and ceremonial paint. Sounds like fun. <laughs> the leader of the skinwalkers is usually an old man who is very powerful and lived very long as a skinwalker. Honestly, that just sounds like a great fucking night around the fire to me. Yeah. Grave robbing. Well. Necrophilia. Nah. But more Incest. like naked walking through the woods wearing paint. That was the part I was talking about. Great. I want to be a little bit more specific. Feasting. Feasting sounds fun. Who doesn't enjoy a naked feast? So, the black magic, shall we say. Skinwalkers also have other powers, including reading others' minds, controlling their thoughts and behavior, causing disease and illness, destroying property, and even death. Those who have talked of their encounters with these evil beings describe a number of ways to know if a skinwalker is near. They make sounds around homes, such as knocking on windows, banging on walls, scraping noises on the roof. And on some occasions, they have been spied peering through windows. More often, they appear in front of vehicles in hopes of causing serious accidents and death, so they can have fresh meat, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it is said... Or, you know, maybe they're just like, you know, the sheep man that we talked about, and yeah. they're just over there, hee hee high five, we got him to wreck. possible. <laughs> Thanks, possible. Gary. I don't know, I feel like that's more of a southern thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it is said that in addition to being, <laughs> instead of cow tipping, or just like fucking causing people to run off the road. It is said that in addition to being able to shapeshift, the skinwalker can also control the creatures of the night, such as wolves and owls, and make them do their bidding. Some are able to call up the spirits of the dead and reanimate corpses to attack their enemies. Because of this, the Indians are rarely, they rarely venture out alone. Honestly, these powers sound fucking awesome. I, 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 I'll wait until we finish. Okay. 
It is supernatural. It is its supernatural powers are uncanny, but skinwalkers, as they are said to run faster than a car and have the ability to jump high cliffs. I'm like I'm assuming jump up to high cliffs, not right. off high cliffs, because yeah, I could <laughs> anybody yeah. can jump off a high cliff. <laughs> Yo, did you hear about Bob? He got a new superpower. What is it? He can jump off a cliff. Whoa. <laughs> They're extremely fast, agile, impossible to catch, and even leave tracks that are larger than those of any animal. Whoa. When they have been seen, they have been described as not quite human and not fully animal. They are usually naked, but some have reported seeing the creature wearing tattered shirts or jeans. The skinwalker kills out of greed, anger, envy, spite, or revenge. It also robs graves for personal wealth and to collect much-needed ingredients to use in further black magic. These witches live on unexpired lives of their victims, and they must continually kill or perish themselves. Skinwalkers and other witches have long been blamed for all manner of unexpected struggles and strategies through the years, including sicknesses, drought, poor crops, and sudden deaths. Even smaller or individual problems such as windstorms during dances, alienation of affection by mates, and death of livestock and reversal of fortune. Where often believed to be the work of a witch. Oh, no. I, I, I think I've got this this whole thing figured out, so I'm just going to let you Wait till the going. end? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're about there. Yeah. This is a really quick one. Navajo prisoners taking the long walk, as it's called. This was a most apparent with the Navajo witch purge of 1878. Of course, we remember that. <laughs> Which initially evolved from a cultural response to so many people moving across into their lands. Now, after a series of wars with the U.S. Army, the Navajo were expelled from their land and forced, into, forced to march to the Bosque Rinaldo, or Fort Sumner. In New Mexico, which is known, what is in New Mexico, in what is known as the Long Walk of the Navajo, 1864. <clears throat> there, the people suffered from bad water, failed crops, illnesses, and death, reducing their numbers dramatically. After four years, the government finally admitted that they had made a mistake. Hmm. <laughs> Took them a whole presidential term. <laughs> And the Navajo were allowed to return to their homeland in the Four Corners area. During these years, many of the tribe's members were said to have turned into shape-shifting, turned, have, to have turned to shape-shifting to escape the terrible conditions. In the meantime, the rest of the tribe were convinced that their gods had deserted them. Once the people had returned to their homeland, their conditions improved, but the dreaded skinwalkers for whom they blamed for their years on the bleak uh, reservation were still among them. Accusations of witchcraft and hunting of the skinwalkers began when someone found a collection of witches' artifacts wrapped in a copy of the Treaty of 1868. The tribal members unleashed deadly consequences known as the Navajo Witch Purge which occurred in 1878. 
Forty Navajo suspected witches were killed in order to restore harmony and balance for the tribe. Sounds a lot like Salem witch trials. A bit. Yeah, I was, I, I was making that connection as well. So today, most of the tales of sightings of witches do not include death or injury, but rather more like tricksters. <laughs> we got him to rack. Numerous people have told stories of swift animals running alongside their vehicles, matching their speed. After a short period, however, they run off into the wilderness. Along the way, these animals sometimes turn into a man okay. who sometimes bangs on the hood. All right. That would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Let's go find this. No. Another story tells of a man who was making repairs on an old ranch home when he began to hear loud laughter coming from the nearby sheep pens. Thinking he was alone, he went to investigate and found all of the sheep but one huddled in a corner of the pen. However, there was a lone ram separated from the group that was standing straight upright and laughing in a very human manner. Nope. That's fucking terrifying. Nope. After the man locked eyes with the ram, he sees that his eyes are not that of an animal, but very like a human's. And the animal then casually walked out on all four legs. <laughs> I'm going to just see my way out of this sheep pen. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Some say that they have seen them running, uh, through, running through the night, sometimes turning into a fiery ball, leaving streaks of color behind them. Oh, that's just the flash. Hello. <laughs> Others have seen angry-looking humanoid figures looking down on them from cliffs, mountains, and mesas. Interesting. Mm. Kind of sounds like a uh, goat man. Pope leg. There's a connection there, I bet. <laughs> this what this Kentucky used to be native land. You know that, right? I believe it was Cherokee, though, not Navajo. If I'm correct, I, th- I think you're correct. Uh, Kentucky means uh, blood-soaked land. It's not what that means. Mm-hmm. Or land soaked with blood. It's a little bit longer than that, or something like that. But it, that's essentially what it means. Land of tomorrow in Native American uh, derives from the Iroquois language are meadow, prairie. And the river of blood. So that's probably where you're getting that from. That's what I meant. That's what I thought it meant. Yeah, it's der- derived from uh, Iroquois. Yeah. Um, AKA Iroquois Park. Uh, that's why it was named after it. Iroquois Kintaten, which means land of tomorrow. And that's the closest. Mm-hmm. But it derives from the Iroquois language uh, from uh, Meadow Prairie and the river of blood. River of blood, meaning the Ohio. I mean, I'm just telling you what. The, what the Iroquois language means. That's awesome. Yeah, well, kind of, I was kind of close. You weren't far off. First time for everything. In the eight, 1980s, one of the most notable events occurred when a family was driving through the Navajo Reservation, and uh, they slowed to make a sharp curve. Something jumped from a ditch, and it was described as black, hairy, and wore a shirt and pants. <laughs> well, that's terrible. A few days after this event... <laughs> At their home in Flagstaff, Arizona, the family was awakened to the sounds of loud drumming and chanting outside of their home. And there were three dark forms of men outside their fence. However, these shadowy creatures were seemingly unable to climb the fence and soon left. 
What? <laughs> they can jump up cliffs but can't get over a fence. I think maybe it was um, something to do with the fence type. Maybe this family had specific stones or rituals or protection around their home. They're making there's a, a leap. There's a potential of that, definitely. And it's Arizona, come on. Plenty of crystals and stuff like that around that could create a natural barrier I'm, on a property. I'm moving to Arizona. I'm going to open a turquoise shop. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Turquoise? Turquoise. Uh-huh. Keep going. These events have occurred. Dig your hole deeper. These events have occurred in the Four Corners area of the southwest Colorado, east, east, southeast Utah, northeast Arizona, and northwest New Mexico. Now, I do have some notes here about Skinwalker Ranch. I did see that. Yeah. I don't know if I really want to talk about it quite yet. I think we're going to do a whole episode on this, guys. So, <clears throat> if you don't know much about the Skinwalker Ranch, this is kind of like a good teaser episode to pre- prelude into it. So, maybe two or three episodes from now, we'll actually do Skinwalker Ranch. But here's a little bit about it. In the 1990s, a ranch in northeast Utah, far away from Navajo Reservation, became a partial focus of the Skinwalkers, called Sherman Ranch. Now, Skinwalker Ranch and UFO Ranch, this place has a history of UFOs, aliens, cattle mutilations, crop circles, and more. It's located uh, near the Ute Indian Reservation. These people have long thought that the Navajo put a curse on their tribe in retribution for many perceived transgressions. And since then, the Skinwalkers have plagued the Ute people. Witchcraft represents the uh, antithesis of Navajo culture values, and it is not tolerated. They work to avoid it, prevent it, and cure it in their daily behaviors. However, when it exists, their laws have said when a person becomes a witch, they have forfeited their humanity and their right to exist, so they should be executed. Swante M. Swenson, born February 24th, 1816, was a Swedish immigrant to Texas. He owns a company, well, he founded a company, sorry, uh, called Freeport McMoran, who owns the Copper Queen Mine in Arizona. It is the largest producer of turquoise, and uh, it was founded by a Swedish man. That does not sound like Native American to me. Go deeper. Would you like me to find the CEO of the current, of Freeport McMoran? I would like to know about distribution, distribution. but not on, air, not on this air episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. Because we only want to talk about the facts, Devin. I've got the facts right here. <laughs> However, skinwalkers are, not, are notoriously hard to kill, and attempts are usually unsuccessful. Trying to kill one will often result in the witch seeking revenge on you. Successfully killing generally requires the assistance of a powerful shaman who knows spells and rituals that could turn the skinwalker's evil back upon itself. Another alternative is to shoot the creature with bullets that have been dipped into white ash. However, this shot must hit the witch in the neck or the head. Traditionally, the Navajo will not speak with outsiders about these creatures for fear of retribution by the skinwalkers themselves. For that matter... It is a taboo subject amongst the natives themselves, and therefore, Americans. These are not things that need or should be discussed by outsiders. And again, this is quoting, at all. I am sorry if that seems unfair, but that's how our cultures survive. 
Dr. Uh, Andrine Keene, Native American academic writer and activist. And that is what I have about the Skinwalker. So, to me, this reminds me very much of the Wendigo and the fact that this seems like a tall tale or a kind of catch-me-all for bad things that happen to a tribe. Now, there's some parts in there that I can't really describe with or uh, write off. Like, there's some certain anecdotal like evidence of things that happen to people that I can't really put into that category. But there's a lot of things that the tribes are blaming skinwalkers for, like uh, famine, drought, uh, you know, all these types of things. And it's just, it just seems like one of those things where it's easy to be like, ah, yeah, it's the skinwalkers. But then again, there are some other things in here that we talked about that, yeah, you can't really say that. So I don't know. I think there's a kind of a bleeding, probably because we don't have very much like the Wendigo. We don't have a lot of stuff because it's kind of kept in tribe that we might have some bleeding effect coming into our culture. Just seems like a tall tale to me. That's me personally. I think that there's every culture that's heavily based around religion has similar stories. I will agree with you on that. Specifically a antagonist and protagonist approach, um, which is demons, shamans, something of that nature. Uh, every culture's got something similar to that. I think it just might be a fact of, like, one of those things that is, like, facts of spirituality. But maybe it has actually some roots in, in realism itself, too. Kind of hard to tell. Yeah. yeah. With all with all things that we don't have enough, you know. Information on, yeah. yeah. Evidence, whatever. Uh, the Kingman Turquoise mar- Mine is also another very large producer of turquoise. It's owned by the Cowball family and has since its inception. And that is a German. Is there any turquoise owned by native tribes at all? I haven't looked that up. I was just looking at the larger. Because I know that there's a lot of fake turquoise out out there, man. A lot of it. And it's really hard to get real turquoise. Even when people say that it's real turquoise, it's usually not. There's very few things. Or there's very few people who can actually tell when it is real. But, I mean, there's like, there's more than a few ways that you could... Go into a shop or something and tell if it's real or not. Turquoise ranges anywhere between $1 to $10 per carat, but can get up to as expensive as $1,000 per carat. Absolutely. Uh, Turquoise is considered to be one of the cheaper stones, but can be a little bit confusing based on quality. Like I said, it's very difficult to tell. Um, The reason is probably because there's another... There's something called kind of like fool's gold. There's something called howlite, which is like a mm-hmm. turquoise yeah. imitation. Howlite, though, when you put it next to, and that's one. Oh, I'm sure if you hold it next to actual. If you hold it next to actual yeah. turquoise, you can tell the difference. Howlite's um, a bit of a lighter color. Also, mm-hmm. the translucency differences between howlite and uh, turquoise, it's very obvious. Again, so are the veins. You can see the veins. A lot of times, howlite, uh, people would dye howlite because there's white howlite that has black veins. And people will dye it blue. Gem quality turquoise is one of the more rare collectible natural commodities. However, gem grade is not doesn't mean that it's not real turquoise. Mm-hmm. But but yes, like if like if you were to buy a turquoise ring where the where the, instead of like a diamond you have turquoise, that quality of turquoise, yeah, very rare. Yes. But actual just regular turquoise. And it's, it's usually banded and wrapped in silver as well. Actual turquoise can I mean you can get you know, a stone for 10 bucks, apparently. Just it wouldn't be gem quality. Well, I'm sure there's definitely a huge quality difference. A lot I'm of times sure. you'll see, like, the Howlite, though, that they say it's turquoise, or you'll see 
plastic turquoise that you know it's because turquoise already has like kind of a small waxy film to it it's weird all right well we learned about turquoise we learned about skinwalkers <laughs> i guess i'm leaving that in now why not yeah why not it's it's it has roots in native american it does. It's actually very predominantly worn by most drivers. So like I said earlier, I'm going to quit this podcast. I'm going to go open up a turquoise shop in Arizona. <laughs> Devin, don't tempt me because that sounds like something I would do. We can uh, we can get a... We can make tie-dye shirts and listen to Grateful Dead and <laughs> just sit there and smoke weed well, all day. <laughs> I mean, I've been smoking years. I'd probably have a fucking panic attack. I mean, you know, it's legal out there. In Arizona, is it? I think so. I've been keeping track. Every time I'm out there. I just assume it's legal <laughs> everywhere. Everybody's smoking. Every time I've been to Arizona, it's been legal. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just the people I hang out with. I don't know. <laughs> Send us off, John. All right. First of all, I do want to give a quick shout out to um, one of our longest time listeners that I recently got to speak to. Um, Shane Moran. Thank you so much for being a great listener Thanks, and reaching Shane. out to us. Um, we appreciate your support, and uh, thank you very much from all of us here at Gray Man. Absolutely. Um, this has been another episode of Wolf Takes a Bite out of Skinwalkers. Maybe Skinwalkers Plus, because Skinwalkers Plus Turquoise. Also, we will be doing Skinwalker Ranch, so don't think, yeah. don't think we're done with this. Because aliens. <laughs> yeah, we're coming back. We're coming back to this. Uh, so this has been another episode of <laughs> Cut. And as always, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Wolf Takes a Bite Pod, all one word, all lowercase. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Grand Man Media. You can find us at GrandmanMediaCo.com. Please consider donating to our Patreon at Grand Man Media. That helps all of our shows, including mine, and we really need it. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another episode of Wolf Takes a Bite. I love you guys. And remember, question everything, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> He was a skinwalker. I don't even know what this is. Teenage dirtbag. Teenage dirtbag. I don't know what that is. He rode around in the dirt one day, named himself a skinwalker, and he went to play. He came and ripped your face right off. He was a Navajo witch. Hey, Skinwalker today. Oh my god. Skinwalker today, gonna, gonna get you every day. Skinwalker's gonna kick your ass, rip your face, and fuck your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not the take. I, they're, they're, not, they're not getting better than that. That's, there's no point to even try. <laughs>